I want to look at this last statement. So I'm going to do a little bit of a review from the morning message just to, again, bring us up to speed. Some of you may still be waking up from your Sunday afternoon naps a little bit, and I might need a little bit of review. We saw this morning um, the, the main premise was that gospel ministry priorities should not divide us. And that when godly believers have philosophical ministry disagreements or personal issues, uh, that sharp contention uh, is not pleasing or proved by God. That disagreements, parting of ways, should be done in a way that exemplifies the love of Christ. Ah, uh, all right, lapel mic. Can you believe I forgot that? Um, all right, I must not be fully awake from my afternoon nap either. I forgot my mic. All right, so let me just kind of uh, reiterate a couple of things. Competing ministries or prior, ministry priorities should not lead to conflict. We talked about the fact that there was anger, the word um, that talks about this sharp disagreement or this conflict. This one word in the Greek literally means to provoke to anger or to wrath. It's used to describe a fever. So this was not just some kind of calm, casual difference of opinion. They, they, both of these men, and, and I didn't really bring this out in the, in the message this morning, but the language of the Greek implies that both of these men were continuing in a very staunch, dogmatic way, insisting on things being done their way. Okay? And so they, were, they departed asunder, which means to rend apart. So it was not a good parting of the ways. We talked about Romans chapter 14, verse 4. Who am I to judge another man's servant? He will give an account to God as I will. Therefore, I need to be very careful that I treat that brother or that sister in love and be faithful before the Lord. And if there's a disagreement where we cannot work together, it may be that God in his sovereignty is causing us to part ways to multiply our ministries. You know, as a pastor, it is never a fun thing when somebody leaves Berean Baptist Church, especially when there's somebody who's been faithful, that have been involved, that have been serving. But you know, it's been interesting in the last two or three years to see how God has been strategically moving some of our people They'll always be Berean people to me, all right? They'll always be a part of the Berean uh, Baptist family. But God has strategically moved them to other locations and other churches. And by faith, I believe that that is because he has multiplication of ministry in mind. And while we were grateful for their ministry here, God wanted to multiply the overall effective ministry of Berean by sending them out. Just like Paul and Barnabas were in the Antioch church and on the first missionary journey, these guys were key leaders and key teachers, yet God moved them out to go for a couple of years to go on this missionary journey. And there were churches that were established and on the way back, uh, spiritual leadership, elders, pastors were put into place. Um, faith was established, truth was delivered, and, the, and then Paul and Barnabas came back home. That must have been really hard for the church at Antioch because they've been in such a time of, of spiritual growth and having such godly wise men as these, as the apostle Paul and Barnabas, uh, that would be quite a blow to lose them for a while. 
Um, and, you know, when God sends people from here, whether they're going to a mission field, because all of us can get excited. If God calls somebody from Berean Baptist Church to go to Spain or to go to Africa or to go somewhere in South America as a missionary, Australia or wherever, you know what, man, uh, we can get behind that and rejoice. Let's support them and, and let's encourage them. And I can't wait to go and actually visit them on the mission field and do a mission trip there and help them in the ministry there. Man, that's exciting. But what about when God takes somebody... For instance, uh, Jimmy and Jessica Payne. Some of you remember them. And they were here, faithful in the church. They went to Florida. He went to learn to become a master baker. Um, and he opened up, uh, when he came back, he opened up his own pastry business. And for a while they were here at Berean Baptist Church, but there they did not have a permanent location. When they established a permanent location, it was uh, over an hour's drive from here. And Jimmy came to me and he says, Pastor Todd, uh, we're going to be looking for a church in that area. And here's what he said. He said, because we want our employees, we want to be able to invite them to come to church with us. We want to be able to lead some of them to the Lord, to be able to disciple them and have Bible studies. We want them to be able to be involved in a local church. And it's just going to be too far logistically for us to do that at Berean. And so I want you to understand, we love Berean. We're thankful for the years that we had here but God is moving us there. Praise the Lord for that. That is wonderful um, that God would move them away for, for that reason. But you know, it, always, it, it, it should always break our hearts when somebody leaves for reasons that are more selfish than ministry focused. And really that is between them and the Lord or whether they have a disagreement with the uh, biblical philosophy of ministry um, that we seek to follow here. And it's not that we are infallible, but as we best seek uh, to fulfill the ministry vision according to the word of God, sometimes there are gonna be people that disagree with us and they're gonna move on elsewhere. And while we would much rather have that conflict to, to be resolved, if there is a conflict or that issue, sometimes we understand that's not going to happen. And when it doesn't, then we trust that we can always show the love of Christ, that they can still leave on good terms and always feel and know that if they come back to Berean Baptist Church, that we are going to love them, we are going to welcome them, we're going to be excited to see them, and we, we pray God's very best on them. But I want to talk about some conflict resolution tonight. Um, and one of the points that we made was that our failures cannot thwart God's plans. And we looked at several passages in the scriptures. We looked at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, where Peter writes the church at Babylon. That was kind of a... Uh, kind of a, a, an indirect way of referring to Rome. I believe that Peter was writing to these brethren, and if this letter got intercepted, it could endanger his, uh, the brethren to persecution. And so I believe that when he talks about the church that, it is, that is at Babylon, he's talking about the church at Rome, where he was. Okay, Elect together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. And so John Mark, remember how that Paul said, ah, ain't no way, you know, uh, trust in an unfaithful man in a, in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. No, sir, we, we, cannot, we cannot jeopardize this mission to minister to all these churches by taking the risk of taking somebody who's already proven himself to not follow through to the end. Barnabas, on the other hand, said, hey, listen, God is the God of second chances. We all mess up. I want to minister to John Mark and with John Mark because I believe God has great ministry for him in the future. And so Barnabas took John Mark with him. Paul took Silas with him. And we see how God sovereignly expanded their ministry. And yet, 
I believe that this particular account is in the scriptures for, like all the other scriptures, for our admonition, for our warning, for our instruction. And the Paul and Barnabas were not right in the way that they had this sharp disagreement and they rent asunder from one another. And yet I believe that they got reconciled them. And we're going to talk about reconciliation. Mark served and encouraged Paul. We, this morning we looked at Philemon, verses 23 and 24. Uh, there salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. So he's listed among that faithful team. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Oh, imagine, here's John Mark also. This time, John Mark does not forsake him. Demas does. John Mark had forsaken him on the first missionary trip, but now in his final days uh, of ministry on earth, Paul's going to be beheaded at Rome, and he knows that. He had just written before that in 2 Timothy 4, 8. I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all them also that love his appearance. So, so Tim, Paul knew his time was short. But one of the things that he says when he talks, uh, when he writes to Timothy is, hey, come to me quickly. I don't know how much time I have left. And when you do, bring John Mark with you because he's profitable to me for the ministry. There was some reconciliation. There was some teamwork. And, and this happened. And um, so those verses evidence the fact that Paul and Barnabas had reconciled. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 3 to 6, we find a very interesting uh, reference here where Paul, as he writes to the Corinthians, says this, my, my answer to them that do examine me is this, have we not the power to eat and to drink? Have we not the power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of our Lord and Cephas, or only or I only and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? So in a very positive light, he says, listen, these other apostles, you know, they, they don't work. They're supported by the churches, and that's fine. And, uh, and they're married. But you know what? I believe God's, you know, Paul is saying this, that he believed that God had wanted him to remain single for the sake of the ministry. And as we know, that Paul was a tent maker, and he <laughs> used that to support himself, some of the members on his team, and he invested in the churches uh, where he ministered. But he writes, he says, are only Barnabas and I, are we the only ones? And so it indicates there that Barnabas and Paul not only worked together again, but they kept in touch. And he knew exactly what was going on with Barnabas, whether or not they're together at this point when Paul is writing this. We're not sure. But whether they were or not, they did work together at some point, And Paul and Barnabas were in contact with one another. I would also say this. I believe personally that Paul and Barnabas reconciled before they left for their missionary journeys. One of the reasons I say that, look with me in Acts chapter 15. Okay? The Bible says in verse 40, And Paul chose Silas and departed, look at this, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Do you think that the church would have had an official send-off giving their official stamp of approval and blessing and support to Paul and Silas if Paul was not, had not reconciled this and made this right. This contention between these two leaders in the church, do you think it was not obvious? This was not some private little thing that happened that nobody in the church knew about. Folks knew about this. 
This was something huge because Paul said, Barnabas, hey, let's go on another missionary journey. Barnabas says, okay, let's take John Mark. And Paul said, hold it, hold it, hold it. Uh-uh. Ain't no way. Uh, he failed us before. He could fail us again. We don't dare jeopardize this mission to these churches. These pastors need us. These believers need us. And those communities need us to help uh, as we reach them with the gospel. But Barnabas says, yeah, but no, John Mark needs, he's going to do great things for God, I believe. And yeah, maybe he failed, but God's the God of the second chance. And I'm going to invest in him. And we're going to do ministry together. And I'm going to show John Mark that I believe that God can use him right now by taking him with me on a missionary journey right now. And so there's where that contention, that disagreement came. But I believe that they reconciled before. Why? Well, not only because the church sent them, sent Paul, and just because it doesn't say that it sent off Barnabas, I believe that's because Luke, who's writing this by divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he understands he's not going to be writing about Barnabas and John Mark in following their, 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 their timeline or their history of the early church through the rest of the book of Acts. It's going to focus down, it's going to funnel down to Paul and Silas' ministry. That does not make Barnabas and John Mark's ministry any less legitimate or any less significant or important. They were both equally important. It's just that for the focus and the theme of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit laid it upon Luke to follow Paul and Silas' story. <laughs> So I believe that Barnabas and, and John Mark would have also had the goodwill of the church. But Luke says that Paul did because we're going to be following Paul's story. So he's making sure, hey, listen, as we go from here, you need to understand that Paul does not leave this situation in a mess. He does not leave this in division. He and Barnabas reconcile. Think about this. If any of us do legitimate ministry... It must be that we are walking in the Spirit. Amen? Amen? Now, I want to quantify that, though. I don't know if any of you have ever heard or experienced this, where there have been churches where a pastor has been preaching, people are getting saved, the church is growing, great things are happening, and all of a sudden it comes out that that pastor runs off with the church secretary. When I was in evangelism, one of the most interesting and unique weeks of revival meetings I ever experienced was in a church and six months after being in that revival meeting the pastor ran off with the church secretary and you know what I as I was talking to some godly men because I was very confused about that how can these men be living in sin and yet God is blessing this church people are getting saved Christians are growing the church is growing how can God prosper a church when a pastor is living in sin? And a very, one of my spiritual mentors took me through some scripture and showed me, and I won't go through that whole process tonight. If you're interested in that, I'd be glad to share that with you later. But to distill it for you for the sake of time, the essence of, the, of what he said is this. God blesses his word now i want god to use me but god always honors his word and god can use his word even if the messenger is not right now that is no excuse that is no free pass for any christian to just have a raunchy attitude and indulge their flesh 
and then come teach a Sunday school class or sing in the choir or play in the orchestra or be an usher or whatever ministry you have, work in the nursery, whatever, and say, well, you know what? God blesses his word. I'm just going to minister God's word and it doesn't matter what my personal spiritual life is. No, because you know what? Then when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you know what your pile's going to consist of? Hey, wooden stubble. And you're going to regret it. Remember, the Bible says that God's going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. Do you realize, I believe, that part of the tears that Christ is going to wipe away from our eyes, because it's of believers, is tears of regret for our unfaithfulness or when we did the work of God in the power of the flesh and not being led by the Holy Spirit. When we did things out of a sense of duty and responsibility with no motivation of love for God, when we did it so that we would have the uh, admiration or approval of men or just to live up to their expectations of us, that is wood, hay, and stubble. What is gold, silver, and precious stones is out of a love for God, out of a joy in His Word, out of a humble dependence upon God being filled with the Spirit of God, we do ministry. And we are sensitive to the touch of the Holy Spirit when he convicts our life and we repent of sin and we make things right with God and with others. As Paul said, I seek always to have a conscience void of offense towards God and man. How could Paul, who wrote that in the book of Acts, how could he walk away from this situation not having reconciled it? Because his conscience would not have been right before God or before Barnabas or before John Mark. So I strongly believe that before they parted ways, they understood, hey, we, we, we are both right. We both have a different ministry goal and perspective and priorities right now. Remember, they had been a team. They had shared a lot of those things. But at this juncture, God's getting ready to split them up. God's going to expand the ministry through these men. But when Paul said, I seek always to have a conscience void of offense towards God and man. And if he is going to do the work, the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New Testament when they wrote the scriptures. And Paul wrote a bunch of the epistles in the New Testament. He had to be filled with and inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. If you know these verses, you can quote them with me. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. And grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another you see paul had to ask barnabas and john mark's forgiveness and barnabas and john mark had to ask paul's forgiveness and i believe that they knew they would be grieving the Spirit of God by continuing with an angry, unforgiving spirit. Besides, we are commanded to forgive. Remember those of you that have been in our Wednesday night Bible study when we went through Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's pattern prayer? What was Jesus' first comment at the end of that prayer? For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive yours. But if ye from your hearts forgive not every man their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. 
Remember that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that if you come to the altar to offer a gift in worship and remember that your brother has aught against thee. You say, what does it mean, have aught against thee? What does it mean when somebody has something against me? It literally means to think against. They have cause, a reason to think against me. And so here's my practical application. I've either sinned with that person, I've sinned against that person, or I've sinned in front of that person. If that person knows about my sin, whether they've been involved with me in that sin, or my sin has been against them, or they have witnessed that, and the Spirit of God convinced me, you sinned, you need to make that right, that was wrong. And sometimes it's something that you do that God forbids, and sometimes it's not doing something that God positively commands. And when the Spirit of God speaks to you about that, and you know that there are others involved, Jesus said that he was not interested in your worship until you left the gift and went and you were reconciled to your brother and then came back and offered the gift. You think God is serious about us reconciling? And it's not enough to say, well, I just forgave him in my heart. But I don't want to go and really talk to them because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Choose faith over fear. Choose to honor God. Ask him to give you the boldness of the Holy Spirit, the humility of Christ, to go to that person and make things right. And maybe they sinned against you. Matthew chapter 18. Brother, if your brother trespass against you, go and tell him your fault between you and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So you see, the responsibility for reconciliation never lies on the other person like we want to put it. The responsibility for reconciliation always rests on me. Whether I have sinned against somebody, God says you've sinned with them, against them, in front of them. You need to go and seek them out. Or whether they have sinned against me, I need to go and seek them out. God always calls me, God always calls you to be the initiator of getting things right. And ideally, if we are both listening to the Spirit of God, and we know the Holy Spirit is not schizophrenic, amen? Then I'm going to meet you halfway so that we can make things right. So that we can bring glory to the Lord. I want to close with this quote. And then if somebody knows if the ushers have the the count yet, let me know. Do I have any signal yet? Do we have the, do we have it? Okay. All right. Thank you, Brother Mike. I'm going to, I'll get this from Brother Mike. Then I'm going to close with a quote. Thank you very much, sir. Matthew Henry said this, Believers must be constant in prayer that they may never be led by the allowance of unholy tempers to hurt the cause they really desire to serve. Paul and Barnabas wanted to see souls saved. They wanted to see Christians built in their faith. They wanted to see spiritual leadership called into the ministry and established and strengthened They wanted to see the gospel continue to spread throughout the known world. They wanted the right things. But let me read this again. We must be constant in prayer that we may never be led by the allowance of unholy tempers. Man, I love that little phrase. We don't use that kind of language these days, unholy tempers. But that's what our anger and our wrath and our clamor and our sharp contentions, that's unholy tempers. To the hurt of the cause they really desire to serve. May God preserve our families. Hey, listen, husband and wife, you desire to have godly kids and godly grandkids. You want them to go on and to serve the Lord, but you have personal conflict 
and disagreements between you. Be careful that you don't allow unholy tempers to hinder or to hurt the cause that you truly desire that is pleasing to God. At your workplace, there are those who may not persecute you, but they poke you, if you know what I mean. They're always prodding you. They're always trying to provoke you. They're always trying to get you to have an ungodly reaction. They're always trying to entice you to some sort of thing that they know would compromise your testimony as a Christian. Do not allow unholy tempers to hurt the cause that you really desire to serve. Let's bring this down to practical Atlanta 2023. Don't allow unholy tempers in traffic. <laughs> that you may hurt the cause that you really desire to serve. Because you may not think somebody recognizes you, but they might. And we want to make sure that our testimony is above reproach so that we always have an opportunity to give an answer of the hope that lieth with us, within us with meekness and with fear. We desire for God to bless Berean Baptist Church. And Satan, if he cannot crush a church from without by persecution and defamation, if he cannot sidetrack a church with distraction, if he cannot dilute a church with carnality or with a reliance on man-made schemes and plans instead of the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, and the authority of the Word of God, he will try to divide and conquer. Let us not let Satan get an advantage of us. Let us not allow unholy tempers to hurt the cause that we really desire to serve. Let us be reconciled. It may be that some of you in your marriages, you may need some biblical counsel. We have those on our pastoral staff who would love to give you biblical counsel. If you're not comfortable with us, I can recommend you to some godly counseling ministries where you can get the help and begin to make yourself accountable and so that you can have that reconciliation and that unity in your marriage that won't just be a blessing and benefit to you, but for your children and your grandchildren. If the Spirit of God has spoken to you today and there's interpersonal conflict with somebody at Berean, or it may be somebody that used to come to Berean that doesn't anymore, it could be somebody that goes to another church in town it could have been somebody that, from a church that you were at years before and you've never gotten it right. If the Spirit of God brings that to your attention, don't you say, oh, that was just from a long time ago. I just kind of sparked, you know. If the Spirit of God deems it important enough to bring it to your memory, it's important and you need to deal with it. All right? So let's have a word of prayer and then I will read to you our votes. Our Father, we are so thankful for Berean Baptist Church. This is your church, and you have promised that you will build it, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Help us, Lord, to always be tenaciously, uncompromisingly faithful in our commitment to the purity of the gospel and to doctrine. The Father, also help us to be committed to walk in the Spirit and to be casting off the old sin nature, the old man, being renewed in the spirit of our mind and putting on the new man. 
And Lord, may we deal with conflict in a way that is honoring and glorifying to you. And where we have issues and where we have difficulties, rather than remaining silent and just boiling under the surface, help us instead to go to that brother or to that sister, or maybe there's somebody in the congregation that needs to come to me. And there's something that's been bothering them about the ministry here and they've not said anything. Lord, please don't allow that to explode in anger or to sour into bitterness, which eats like a cancer from within. But Lord, help us to be unified. Help us to love each other enough to, in a loving way, be transparent in our confrontation and also humble and contrite when we need to go and ask forgiveness. And Lord, protect us in, with unity. Uh, Lord, protect this ministry because it's yours. These are your people. Lord, protect us and help us to walk in the power of your spirit according to your word. And may the world see our love for you, our love for one another, and our burden for them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the 2024 bu budget passed unanimously. Our three